On last Sunday, I brought a message to you entitled the song of the Savior. Uh, the Bible says that on the night the Lord was betrayed, they sang a hymn. And uh, more than likely, they sang the Psalms, 113 and 118. That was a Jewish tradition. They'd sing those songs. There are several other Jewish songs that are just traditional songs that they sing. And, and uh, now during the celebration of Passover, Jewish families uh, across the world sing those songs as well, as well as reciting the Psalms. And so I hope that you were blessed by the message and our Savior singing. I've thought about that all week long, about Jesus singing. Didn't that be something to hear the Lord Jesus Christ sing? But this morning, I want to bring you a, a completely different message. I'll give you the title in a moment. But in the book of Isaiah, I want to call your attention, first of all, to chapter number 53 in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 53. Now, most of you are aware of the fact that uh, the book of Isaiah was written some 700 years before Christ was ever, ever born. And yet there's so many just prophecies throughout the Old Testament, especially in the book of Isaiah about our Lord that describe things related to his birth and his life and his ministry. And then in this passage of scripture, especially in regard to his death. And I want you to look in Isaiah chapter 53, verse one, who hath believed our report and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, and we've turned everyone into his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He hath he was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before his shearer is dumb. So he opened not his mouth. Having read that in the book of Isaiah, will you turn with me please to the book of Matthew chapter 27. In Matthew chapter 27. And I want to read just a verse or two here beginning at Matthew 27 and verse 12. Matthew chapter 27 and verse 12. This of course is a scene in the trial of our Lord Jesus Christ before uh, Pilate. And verse 12, the Bible says this, and when he was accused of the chief priest and elders, he answered nothing. Then said Pilate unto him, hearest thou not how many things they witness against thee? And he answered him, never a word, insomuch that the governor marveled greatly. Will you bow with me for prayer? Father, I ask now the Holy Spirit of God to give your anointing. God, speak to my heart and the heart of these here gathered. I want to thank you, Lord Jesus, for all that you do for us. Thank you for the blessed presence of the Holy Spirit of God. And Father, I pray now that God, the Holy Spirit, would give your anointing, your power. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, I ask you, God, to speak to the heart of all of our friends in the ready audience and here in this auditorium. And I pray, oh God, that tonight, today, that Lord, that if there's a lost man, a woman, boy, or girl, as Brother Calvin sung,
sung about and testified about that some daddy would come to know Christ. Some mother would come to know Christ. Some boy, some girl would know Jesus. And I ask now the Holy Spirit of God to breathe on this service this morning. Our Father, apart from you, we can do nothing. But God, I pray, God, what you put in my heart will be in the hearts of God's people. And I pray, God, you'd speak to the hearts of every need here. And God, will thank you and praise you and give you glory. In the strong name of Jesus, amen. Amen. I preached to you on last Sunday about the song of the Savior. I want to preach to you this morning from the passage I've read to you, and you may have picked up on it. The Bible says the book of Isaiah, that he was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a, shearer before, as a sheep before his shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. And then in the, book of Isaiah, in the book of Matthew chapter 27, it says when he stood before Pilate, when the, the scribes and the Pharisees brought false accusations against him, he didn't say a word. And then when, the, when Pilate addressed that, that, that uh, issue and said, don't you hear all these accusations against you and you're not saying anything. And the Bible said he answered him never a word. And Pilate marveled. Oh, the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ, I think about his life. I think about how he could speak. The Bible teaches that, and, and when he was 12 years old, he was brought to, the, he came to the temple. And Mary and Joseph, of course, you remember, they, they left and missed him and they went back and found him. And he was sitting in among all the religious leaders of the day. And the Bible said he was asking questions and answering them. And in, in my heart, I know what was going on. He, at 12 years of age, he was asking all those religious leaders questions that they couldn't answer. They were standing there with a blank look, with an open mouth, and having no answer for what he asked them, he would, re- he would answer his own question, and they marveled. And when, the deci- when it, it, Mary and Joseph came to find him, he said, you seeking me? He said, why are you looking for me? He said, I must be about my father's business. And from that time on, he, he, we don't have any other recorded word of Jesus until he begins his public ministry. But oh, how he spoke. Oh, how he spoke. He spoke and, and lame limbs were healed and he spoke and blind eyes were opened. He spoke and demons were cast out. He spoke and the sea was made calm. He, every accusation that was raised against him and, and all, every type, time they tried to entrap him, the Lord Jesus Christ could answer every question. He could answer everything they brought against him. And, and how he could speak. He could speak peace to hearts. He could speak peace to the sea. And he can speak peace to you. Oh, how he could speak. And the fact that they marveled so, on one passage of scripture says this, that he spoke to them, not as the scribes and Pharisees, but as one having authority. I mean, he spoke with great authority. And then they said, never man spake as this man. Oh, he, 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 the way he could speak. But in the passage of scripture I've just read to you, it says he didn't say a word. The silence of the Savior. I think about just a few moments later, a few hours later, he'll be on the cross. And there are seven utterances from that cross. He speaks in the first place. And he says, Father, forgive them. I marvel at that every time I read that, how they have abused his body and spit upon him and mocked him and pulled out his beard and put a crown of thorns on his head and beat him with a cat of nine tails and mutilated, literally mutilated his body and all that they railed against him. And when he hangs on the cross, the first thing he says is, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And then the, the thief on the sides, one rails on him and the other says, don't you fear God? 
And he said, we're receiving just reward of our sin, but this man's done nothing amiss. And then he says to the Lord, Lord, remember when you come into your kingdom. And the Lord says to him today, thou shalt be with me in paradise. And Brother Ray did an excellent job in the Sunday School Assembly this morning with the, the study that God gave him. Today, today, that's the time. My dear friend, and what a blessing to hear that from our Savior. Today, you'll be with me in paradise. And he kept his word, kept his word. What a blessed thought that he'd do that. He speaks to his, to his mother and he said, woman, behold thy son. And to John, behold thy mother. He, and then the Bible says that from the sixth hour to the ninth hour, there's nothing but darkness. Nothing but darkness. And then he cries out and he says, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He cries, I thirst. And then another occasion, he says, he says, Father, into thy hands, I commend my spirit. He cries, it is finished. Oh, those words, so, so powerful words and what messages are in those words. But that's not what God let in my heart this morning. I want to preach to you this morning on the silence of the Savior. The silence of the Savior. In the book of Isaiah, I see first of all the silence of his, in his innocency. The Bible says he's brought as a sheep to the Shirah and as a lamb to the slaughter. And he opened not his mouth. He didn't say a word. He spoke not. He didn't say a word. And so he opened not his mouth, the Bible said. Why? Why is it that as he was brought, why the parallel between the sheep? Why? Because he was the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And in that silence, I see the silence of surrender. He's given his life a ransom as a lamb, as a sheep. Two things are mentioned. Mentions the shearing of the sheep. That, of course, is for clothing or covering. And then there's the, the slaughter of the sheep, the shedding of blood and the meat to sustain life. The Lord Jesus Christ, my dear friend, is the Lamb of God. Took all my sin on him and he suffered and bled and died. But what the Bible teaches, the beautiful doctrine of imputation, all of my sin was imputed to him, put on his ledger, put on him. But thank God when you by faith believe the Lord Jesus Christ, you're clothed with the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so in that time of silence, I I see the silence of surrender. He's the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. All of my filthy rags of unrighteousness put on him. All of my sin put on him. All of that garment of, of, of detestable wickedness put on him. And my dear friend, he bore that to the cross. But in turn, by dying for me, he put all his righteousness on me. I'm now clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And the only way that could happen is for him to die. I think it's significant that the manner of death in the book of Isaiah is mentioned as a slaughter. Slaughter. He says to the Pharisees before his death, he said, destroy this temple. And in three days, I'll raise it again. They thought he was talking about the Solomon's temple there, the temple that had been rebuilt. That's what they thought. But my dear friend, he's not talking about that. He was talking about his body. And he used this term, destroy this temple, destroyed. And that's exactly what they did. They mutilated his body. They destroyed his body. It was much like a slaughter. And that's exactly what happened. But he surrendered to all of that. He said, no man takes my life from me. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. 
here in the book of Matthew before those that accuse him. And as they, they come to him and they, they bring all these false accusations, my dear friend, listen, he doesn't answer my word. He doesn't answer my word. Why? He has on many occasions turned their words around against them. He could have no doubt answered every accusation. Why? Why does he not do that? He said in one passage of scripture, my hour's not yet come, but in this time, his hour had come. The reason he did not answer them was the resolve of his purpose. He said, I've come to seek and to save that which was lost. In the silence in Isaiah, I see the silence, uh, silence of surrender. But in this passage of scripture, I see the, si- the, the silence of sacrifice. He said, I've not come to live. I've come to die. It's now time for the sacrifice. It's time now for him to offer his body for us. It's the silence of the sacrifice. He doesn't answer anything. He doesn't want to defend himself. He could answer every false accusation. They would have brought more. And, and, but he didn't want to do anything to de- delay or detour his march to the cross. He set his face like a flint to Calvary. And he's, he's focused on that. All the clamor and all the racket around him meant nothing. He set his eyes on Calvary. He knows that at that time he'll suffer and he'll bleed and die. But thank God he knows, my dear friend, that he'll give his life a ransom. He doesn't answer. He doesn't give an answer. And his silence says to my heart, it's time for the sacrifice. No more talking. Let's do it. It's time for me to give my life a ransom. Not a word spoken at that trial in so much that Pilate marveled at him. He knew how he could speak. He knew how he could handle those Pharisees if he wanted to. And he marveled at his fearlessness of death. He knew that whatever went on in the next few moments and and Pilate knew whatever went on, it would be determined whether he lived or died. And I believe he marveled not only at his, his restraint and not defending himself, but at his fearlessness in the face of death. He knew that he came to die. And now it's the time of the sacrifice and it's the silence of the sacrifice, my dear friend. Here I see him as that, the silence of the sacrifice. In the book of 1 Peter, the Bible says that when he was reviled, he reviled not again. When they mocked him and when they did those things to him and when they accused him falsely and when they, they just railed on him, he did not retaliate. He answered them not a word. He didn't say a word in the book of 1 Peter. He was totally silent. My dear friend, here's the silence of the slandered. They talked about him and said all manner of things about him, but he didn't answer them. Why is it that he didn't respond to them? Why is it that he did not defend himself? He said previous to his death, he said the works that I do, they testify of me. He knew that the general population knew who he was. They knew his kindness, his power, his victory over sin, his victory over sickness, his, his victory over the demons. They knew who he was. He didn't have to answer every critic. He didn't have to defend himself because he knew 
who he was. He knew that his works testified about him. He knew that the word of God and the prophets had testified about him. And he knew what the father thought about him. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He could care less what the rest of that crowd thought about him. He was reviled. He, he was esteemed, smitten, stricken of God. It's what it says in the book of Isaiah. But he, didn't, he, he could care less about that. My dear friend, here he stands. And here he is before all that crowd. He's the slandered one. But he could care less because the Bible said he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God hath highly exalted him and given him a name name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He's looking beyond that crowd. He's looking beyond the cross. He's looking at what's going to happen down the road. He could, he, what they said about him, what, how they accused him, what they said about him didn't mean a thing to him. He was heading to Calvary and beyond Calvary. He'd be enthroned as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And hallelujah for that. Boy, we ought to learn a lesson from our Lord. They're going to talk about you. People say things about you and criticize you. But my dear friend, you just keep on keeping on for Jesus. Don't ever look back. In the book of Isaiah, I see the silence, my dear friend, of surrender. In the book of Matthew, I see the silence of sacrifice. In the book of 1 Peter, I see the silence, my dear friend, of the slandered, those who talk, he was talked about. So what an awful thing. But there's another time that I call your attention to. The Bible says that from the sixth hour to the ninth hour, there was darkness. There's nothing said. There's nothing said during that time on the cross. He says three things previous, says four things at the close of it. At the ninth hour, still in darkness, I believe he cried, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He cried, I thirst at the close of that ninth hour. And then he cried, it is finished. And then, Father, in thy hands I commend my spirit. But that time frame on the cross from the sixth hour to the ninth hour, there's silence. Why? That's the silence of the sufferer. We had seen him in daylight. And you see him in daylight in the Bible, beaten and battered. His body had received every wound that a human body could ever have during that time. Puncture wounds, abrasions, cuts, lacerations, piercing, every wound that can be inflicted on a human body, he as a sacrifice had, had experienced. But what happened in the visibility and the, of the daylight was nothing compared to what happened in that time of darkness on the cross. In that time of darkness on the cross, all the sin of all the ages rolled on him. I, I have and I know in my heart that at that moment on that cross, while human eyes could not behold the spirit world, his body was being ravaged by demons. Every demon of hell, I believe, was afflicting him. What human hands had done was nothing compared to what the demonic oppression, all that was upon him on that cross, all the sin of all the ages, and God veiled it from human eyes for that time of suffering on the cross. And yet in all of that time of suffering, he doesn't cry out. He doesn't cry in pain or agony. No cries during that time. He tasted death for every man. He bore our sins in his own body on the tree. And as a lamb before uh, before the shearer, so he opened not his mouth. He received that sacrifice for you. He suffered it. And in that time of darkness, the silence 
of suffering. Human eyes have never seen. We can only read the scriptures and imagine what might have happened. But I know this, at that particular moment, he was, he was bearing all of our sins, all of our guilt on that cross. Then the Bible says he cries, my God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? My dear friend, the reason God, the holy God turned his back is given to us in the book of Psalms chapter 22. He said, but thou art holy, canst not look upon sin. And what Jesus cried out, he didn't cry out from the human lashes of men. He didn't cry out from the overwhelming guilt of sin laid on him. He didn't cry out from the demonic attack on him on that cross. But when God the Father turned his back on his own son, he cries and said, my God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? My dear friend, the most horrible thing that you could ever experience is to be isolated from the presence of God in a place called hell for all eternity. Jesus Christ bore our sin. He suffered our agony. He suffered our separation from God the Father that he might cry out, it is finished, it's accomplished, and thank God for that. I give you one other silence. In the book of Isaiah is the silence of the, the sacrifice. In Matthew, there's the silence of his surrender. He's coming, he's, he's given his life. There's the silence of the slandered. There's the silence of the suffering. But in the book of Matthew chapter 25, he says, and I'll say to them in that day, depart from me, I never knew you. Now you say, well, Brother Billy, he spoke. But from that point on, he never again speaks to them. The silence, the silence of the sentenced. Those who have rejected Christ, those who will not receive what he did on that cross, will one day hear him say, depart from me, you cursed, I never knew you. And never again will they hear the sweet voice of the Lord Jesus Christ. Never again will they hear the wooing of the Holy Spirit of God. You ought to trust Christ. You ought to give your life to the Lord. Jesus died for you. Never again will they hear the pleading cries of the saints of God begging them to trust Jesus. Never again will they have an opportunity to hear the Holy Ghost of God say to them, Jesus loved you and he died for you that you might have life everlasting. There will be silence from the eternal realm for all eternity. And in that place where there is only continual darkness and night and weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth, they'll never hear the voice of the Savior saying, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Never again will they hear him say, Whosoever, whosoever will may come, let him come and take of the water of life freely. Never again will they ever hear that. Only silence, only silence in a place called hell for all eternity. The silence of the Savior. Oh, that's an awful thing to think about. That's an awful thing. But oh, my dear friend, what a blessed thing to be able to hear his voice now and to know that he's speaking to you now and to know it's not the preacher, it's not mom, it's not daddy, it's not husband, it's not wife, but it's the sweet Holy Spirit of God that's saying to you, you need to get saved. You need to trust Christ. You need to repent. He'll forgive all of your sin. And oh, my dear friend, you must respond to that voice. And what a blessed thing to know that when he, you come to him, he speaks sweet peace to your heart. And he, when he receives you as Savior and Lord and the Holy Spirit of God comes in crying, Abba, 
Father. What a wonderful thing to hear his voice. My dear friend, God loves you this morning. He died for you and he'll save you right now if you'll believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you bow your heads in prayer? With every head bowed, every eye closed, Brad's going to be coming. The musicians are coming. The silence of the Savior. He came as the Lamb of God. Surrendered. He came as the Lamb of God to be sacrificed. He came as the Lamb of God to bear your sin on that cross. He was slandered for you. He reviled and reviled not again. He suffered for you on that cross. And he says to you now, come unto me all you that labor and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Come take the water of life freely. Whosoever will may come. My dear friend, can you imagine the horrors of never once again hearing his voice, the silence of the sovereign when he's called you for your last time, when he's dealt with you about your sin for the last time, when the scriptures fulfilled where he said, my spirit will not always strive with man in that he's flesh. Wouldn't it be an awful thing to think that God would be silent and never speak to you again, never draw you again, never speak to you in convicting power again, but forever, 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 not only to be tormented in flame, not only to be alienated not only to be in a place where there's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth, but to know that for eternity, never again will you hear his voice. I beg you in Jesus' name, be you reconciled to God. This morning in this building, I wonder if there's a man or woman or boy or girl who'd said to me, Brother Billy, I've heard his voice before. He spoke to me, not audibly, but through the preacher, through the Word of God, through some faithful Sunday school teacher. He did speak to me. And I responded by faith. And I want to say, I'm glad I'm saved. And I'll raise my hand and thank him that he spoke to me. Would you raise your hand as a testimony and just thank him for your salvation this morning? God bless you, my friend. Would you put your hands down? I wonder this morning if there's a man or one or boy girl here say to me, Brother Billy, I have had God to speak to me. Not in an audible voice, but there's been something inside of me that says I ought to get saved. That this is real. That heaven's real. Hell's real. And and. I know he spoke to me. I know he's dealt with me about my life. He's told me I could have forgiveness. I could have peace. I could have joy. He spoke to me. To this point, I put him off and I, I, I made excuses and I said, oh, wait, I, I, I can't do it or, or I'll do it later. But preacher, would you pray for me? I don't want to wait until there's silence. I don't want to wait until he quits speaking to me. I don't want to wait too long. And preacher, I want you to pray for me that I'd be saved. If I died right now, I don't know I'd go to heaven. And if you hear that 
way this morning, visitors or guests or folk who've been coming for some time, I'm not going to embarrass you. I wouldn't come to you. But you say, preacher, if I died now, I do not know for sure I'd go to heaven. But preacher, will you pray for me? No one's looking. Every head's bowed. Would you raise your hand? Let me pray with you this morning. Right up, right back down. Just quick. Let me acknowledge it. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. Some others. As I look across the congregation, thank you, friend. God bless you. God bless you. Near the back, thank you. Preacher, I don't know if I died now, I'd go to heaven. Pray for me. God bless you, friends. Can I say to you, that's what the joy of this Easter time is all about. It's not about the suffering of the cross. It's not about all that he went through. That saddens my heart as it does every true believer. But the joy of Easter is that he did not stay on the cross. That he bore our sins. He died for us. He was buried. But thank God he arose again. And he's alive forevermore. And because he did all that, many who raised their hand across this congregation a while ago have trusted Jesus. They've been right where you are right now. And it's so simple. I know sometimes it seems to be so impossible, but it is true. It's simple faith. If, thou would, if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you can be saved. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm going to pray for you. Do exactly what I said. In a moment, we'll stand. Christians, many will come and get around the altar. and They'll be praying for you. and They'll be thanking the Lord for their salvation or praying about a particular need. But if you raised your hand and said, Preacher, I don't know for sure that I'm saved. I want you to know there's some folk here who love you and they'll pray for you. But right now while I pray, why don't you trust him? Why don't you call on him and ask him to come in your heart and save you? Heavenly Father, there were several friends this morning who raised their hand. Not sure if they died now, they'd go to heaven. And God, I've been there. Most... All of the people here raised their hand that they're now saved have been there. There have been those times when we knew you spoke to us through the preacher, through the word of God, through parents, through grandparents, through circumstance reminded us that we needed to be saved. God, thank you for the wooing, speaking and drawing of the Holy Spirit, the voice of God. And God, I pray for these dear friends who raised their hand for every dear lady, for the young people, for the adult men. I pray, God, this morning by faith that they'll receive Jesus. I pray, God, that they'll step out in faith and trust you. I pray, God, you'll do for them what you've done for so many others. Today, they know beyond any shadow of a doubt that they're saved and their sins are gone. And this will be the happiest Easter season they've ever had because they'll know what real life is all about. Friends, while we are praying now, I want you to do this. If you're a Christian this morning, God spoke to your heart. Maybe you want to just come and pray around the altar and thank him. Maybe he spoke to you about something particular. Maybe you've got a lost love. And I invite Christians to always lead the way. But if you raised your hand, you don't know for sure you're saved. I want you to trust Christ. I've got a testimony of a trucker on my aunt's machine at the house. And I, I, I got to get it recorded so I can have it to share with, with you. The man called me. I, I had talked to his wife last week. She said he got saved two months ago. It's hard for me to believe that man's been saved just two months from the way he talked. Oh, he, 
He was so expressive and, and, and understood so thoroughly. But he picked up Highway Shepherd tape, about a CD about two months ago. God dealt with his heart. Here's his own testimony, his own word. He said, I was the blackest of the blackest of the blackest sheep. He said, I was a wicked man. I would have never imagined that I could be where I am now and have the joy I have now. 